So I'm Dr. Katie Huff. I'm a neonatologist at Riley Hospital for Children and an assistant professor of clinical pediatrics at Indiana University in Indianapolis, Indiana. I will be presenting the chapter I co-wrote with my fellow authors, Dr. Scott Denny and Dr. William Hay, entitled Energy Requirements and Carbohydrates in Preterm Infants. And I would like to take the time at this point to also thank Dr. Laura Brown, an author of the previous version of this chapter for her contributions regarding non-glucose carbohydrate information, which will only be briefly touched on in this um, verbal presentation of this chapter given limited time constraints, but is more um, extensively covered in our written version. So to just start some um, prime points I wanted to mention um, as part of this talk. So when considering preterm neonate nutrition, it is important to note that our overall goal is really to provide the necessary nutrition to approximate the rate of growth, body composition, and nutrient concentration similar to that of a fetus at the same gestational age. So in, in addition to this, I wanted to convey that energy requirements are influenced by an individual's age, weight, and other clinical factors. That energy balance is influenced, uh, energy balance influences not only weight gain, but also body composition. And in the clinical setting, weight gain is actually a reasonable surrogate marker for adequate energy intake in preterm infants. But we do know that um, despite having adequate weight gain over time, preterm infants have altered body composition relative to term infants at term corrected age. Um, glucose is an important energy source for preterm infants given their large brain to heart, um, large brain and heart overall weight ratio, which we'll discuss a little further in later slides. And preterm infants continue to produce glucose despite adequate glucose supplementation. And this reads, leads to their high risk for hyperglycemia development. And overall, um, it's important to consider that nutrient balance is essential and both insufficiency and excess total energy intakes can be deleterious and should be avoided. And in the setting of glucose supplementation, preterm infants are at risk for both hypo and hyperglycemia. And because of this, their glucose levels should be monitored closely with adjustments made as needed. So the re energy recommendations outlined in this chapter um, shown in our chart are separated based on type of intake, whether it's parenteral versus enteral, in addition to patient clinical state, whether it's early in life and patients are starting parenteral nutrition, or it's a stable patient who's on full parenteral nutrition or enteral supplementation. Um, recommended intake is also further divided based on patient current weight, which we thought was important to include in this version of the chapter. And these recommendations were overall made considering other supplementation recommendations, including protein or amino acids and lipid uh, supplementation that's outlined in other chapters. Um, to point out the enteral energy recommendations that are in the right side of the chart uh, recommendations are increased compared to parental recommendations. And this is to account in part for increased losses that occur uh, via nutrient excretion in those patients who are receiving enteral nutrition. And when determining an, individual's, uh, an individual patient's energy needs, it is important to consider that energy requirements vary based on multiple patient-specific factors. Lower enteral energy recommendations of about 110 kilocalories per kilogram per day should be adequate to ensure energy for growth, especially of the brain, and have been associated with decreased risk for such things as retinopathy of prematurity. Higher requirements, um, even greater than potentially 130 kilocalories per kilogram per day may be needed in those infants who experience growth faltering, in particular during the period of illness or instability when catabolic conditions may predominate. And overall, the most important point is that a patient's true energy needs 
and supplementation should be individualized based on that patient's overall growth and their current clinical status. Energy expenditure estimates vary widely from study to study with numerous factors influencing the energy expenditure of a preterm infant and therefore their overall energy needs. These factors can include such things as type of dietary intake, whether they're receiving formula versus breast milk, the patient's environment if they're receiving thermoregulation, medications, in particular caffeine, and their current clinical state, uh, in particular if they're experiencing sepsis. And numerous um, examples of these various conditions and their uh, influence on energy expenditure are outlined in the table that we've provided. Glucose uh, is the main source of energy of the body, uh, especially of the heart and brain. And overall neonates have the same glucose needs as a fetus of the same gestational age. And because of this, they must either synthesize or receive adequate supplementation once they are born and no longer have the supplement directly from the placenta. A normal glucose utilization rate for a preterm infant is about six to eight milligrams per kilogram per minute, which is increased compared to term infants due to, again, their increased brain to overall body weight ratio that I mentioned previously. It has not been well established, but the maximum glucose utilization rate for normal glucose oxidation is estimated to be around 11 to 13 milligrams per kilogram per minute. And glucose supplemented above this maximum leads to concerns for increased fat synthesis which is an energy expensive process and can actually lead to fat deposition in such organs as the heart and liver leading to further morbidities and complications for neonates. It is important to note when considering glucose supplementation, like I mentioned previously, that extremely preterm infants continue to produce glucose at a rate of about two to three milligrams per kilogram per minute despite adequate supplementation. This increases their risk for hyperglycemia and accounts for lower recommended glucose infusion rates, or GIR, over the first few days of life in this population. If an infant does develop hyperglycemia, it is important to note that the first-line recommendation is to decrease the GIR stepwise while closely monitoring glucose levels until hyperglycemia resolves or until a minimum GIR of about three to four milligrams per kilogram per minute is reached. This minimum is recommended to account for continued glucose production in these neonates while adequately supplementing and giving um, the needed glucose to account for the needed glucose utilization in the neonate. If still hyperglycemic despite the GIR minimum, minimalization, insulin infusion can be considered. And in this setting, glucose levels should be monitored closely to avoid hypoglycemia, a common side effect of insulin use. Uh, for close monitoring, recent studies have actually shown that continuous subcutaneous glucose monitoring can be safe and well tolerated in preterm infants and can actually improve their glycemic control. However, more information is still needed to understand how to widely apply this technology um, in our preterm infants and also to understand the long-term effects uh, of this use and this tight glycemic control in the preterm population. Recommended glucose supplementation for this chapter is again divided by the type of intake um, as our energy recommendations were. Um, considering enteral versus parenteral, as well as patient clinical status, um, whether they're early starting parenteral nutrition or a patient who's stable on full parenteral or enteral supplementation. Um, again, note, like I previously mentioned, that in those patients of the lowest weight, their uh, GIR or glucose infusion rate is recommended to be lower compared to other patients because of their higher risk for hyperglycemia and their ongoing glucose production. In addition, 
the recommendation for GIR um, once on full parental nutrition is based on the maximal glucose utilization rates that I mentioned previously, in addition to balancing overall uh, nutrient recommendations, um, such as intake for amino acids and lipids and their overall energy recommendations. Um, and as you'll note, the enteral intake um, is labeled slightly differently here, um, not in the form of GIR. Um, and this is um, meant to account for the intake uh, in breast milk, which is primarily lactose, um, is the form of the primary carbohydrate, which does, through its hydrolysis, provide uh, glucose to the neonate. Um, again, as um, was discussed with energy recommendations, the actual glucose supplementation prescribed to a patient should be individualized um, and should account for the patient's glucose tolerance, their calorie needs, uh, glucose levels with close monitoring um, during times of glucose titration, and also change in patient clinical status. So the key takeaway um, for this chapter overall is that the patient's nutritional supplementation for both energy and glucose should be individualized based on the patient's growth, uh, while also accounting for their laboratory monitoring and clinical status. And some other key takeaways include that energy needs are influenced by multiple patient-specific factors and should be individualized based on the individual patient needs. And glucose is an important source for, um, for energy, but excess can lead to hyperglycemia, and this risk should be considered uh, monitored for and treated appropriately. And some research considerations um, regarding the topics of this chapter include uh, determining the ideal ratio of macronutrients and overall energy supplementation to improve preterm infant body composition uh, to be more similar to a fetus of the same corrected gestational age. Um, in addition to considering uh, further studies to better understand the influence of tight glycemic control and use of such devices as continuous subcutaneous glucose monitoring on both the short and long-term uh, preterm patient uh, outcomes. And uh, with that, I'd like to say thank you for your attention. Um, and um, following this, there'll be a case uh, regarding these topics um, and some additional questions to cover these points.